I remember when computers were coming out, one of the very first people we knew that had a, a computer word processor was Dr. McClelland. And he was in our home, and I remember Bueller asking him, what is a word processor? And his very famous answer was, it processes words. It just puts them in different shapes and forms and so on. Now, the Lord Jesus is described here as the Father's Word. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. We wish you the Lord's blessing from our house to your house, from our church to your soul to your heart. May God in grace minister to you today and your family also. We have a very special program today on What Child Is This? We're going to look at the deity of Christ from John chapter 1. We have a couple of hymns, What Child Is This? and While Shepherds Watched. Firstly, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 56, to read a little further on the account of how our Savior was to be born. This is the account of Mary in the home of Elizabeth. And Mary abode with her about three months, and returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called his name Zacharias, after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table, and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. And fear came, and all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them led them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost, and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, 
for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Well, this is the account of John the Baptist's birth, which preceded the Lord Jesus by about six months. And as that was the forerunner, that special birth, which was a natural birth, Jesus was a supernatural birth. He would be born of the Holy Ghost. And so we will preach today from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, on that whole subject, the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Firstly, we have our hymn, While Shepherds Watched. While shepherds watched their sheep by night, Glad tidings brought an angel bright, How great their joy, great their joy, 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 Glory to God in heaven on high, Glory to God in heaven on high. Fear not the angel said to them, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. How great their joy, great their joy, 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 joy. Glory to God in heaven on high. Glory to God in heaven on high. Jesus, we hasten to adore. Grant us thy blessing evermore. How great our joy, great our joy. Joy, 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 joy. Glory to God in heaven on high. Glory to God in heaven on high. John 1 verses 1 to 5 tonight. John 1 verses 1 to 5. What's in a word? What's in a word? When you speak to people today in this computer age about using word, well, it's usually about making documents on computer software by Microsoft, and the software is called Word. I remember when computers were coming out, one of the very first people we knew that had a, a computer word processor was Dr. McClelland. And he was in our home, and I remember Bueller asking him, what is a word processor? And his very famous answer was, it processes words. It just puts them in different shapes and forms and so on. Now, the Lord Jesus is described here as the Father's Word. He is his speech. That's how John Calvin translated this word. He is the Father's speech. 
He is the spokesman of the Father. The Greek term is logos. In the Greek world, there was a history that uh, Hermes was the god of speech who represented the greater god of Zeus. And so Hermes was the spokesman. He is the one who spoke for the god of Zeus. Now, reading John Calvin on this, he did not allow interpretations of the inspired word to carry the ideas of Greek paganism into our understanding of the Bible. He stood very firmly that this book stands alone, and while there are terms that are borrowed from a secular world around us, that God alone gives the meaning to each and every word. Now, it is nevertheless unquestionable that the Jews understood this term to be the Messiah, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And this word was undoubtedly the Savior. Now, above all these words in these five verses, they are a declaration that Jesus is God. And these five verses, these words are so closely weaved together that they make a very sure fabric on the godhood of the Lord Jesus. Now, ascribing godhood to Jesus as God in the flesh, well, it's really unbelievable. Who's going to believe that? That here is a baby that was born in a manger, and he was really and truly God come down from heaven to be amongst us in the form of a man. And so, this is for our faith. John, in writing this epistle, he said toward the end, chapter 20, verse 31, these things are written that ye might believe. So this is something for our faith. This is not just something, an ex academic exercise. It is for the salvation of our souls. Now, in these opening words, in these first five verses, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right down to the end of verse 5. It is like digging a moat around the walls of fortification. These five verses guard in a very dramatic fashion the whole doctrine of the Godhood of the Lord Jesus. Now, as to the term, in the beginning, there was an aged Bible commentator by the name of Basil, and he said that these two words, beginning and was, they are the two anchors for our souls that will withstand any storm. And he went on to say that this term, beginning, means there was no beginning. Let's get that firmly in our minds as we try to grapple with these five verses. The word was which comes up four times in these verses, means existed. He was there in his fullness of being. And if you read them that way, you will get something of the power. In the beginning existed the Word. And the Word existed with God. And the Word existed 
as God. The same existed in the beginning with God. Now, Arians, who arose in the fourth century, they tried to mess with these statements, just like the Jehovah's Witnesses tried to do. And they tried to take these impregnable words that are a mass of theological rock, and they seek to crack it, they seek to break it down, to destroy the doctrine of the eternal Godhood of the Lord Jesus. Now, remember, these things are to be believed. They are written for our faith. And any who deny that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he is anything less than eternal God, they have destroyed the faith. They have destroyed the gospel. And they are, therefore, unbelievers. You see, our Lord Jesus is not partly man, partly God. He is 100% God. And as we learned two weeks ago, he is also 100% man. Now, I took a whole sermon to preach on the humanity of the Lord Jesus. Tonight, I'm going to deal with the deity, the Godhood of our Lord Jesus from these five verses. There's a number of things here. Maybe I'll give you the headings. If you're taking notes, it may help. We have, first of all, his divine expression. He's called the Word, the Logos. Then also, we have his eternal existence in the beginning. And as Basil said, this means there was never a beginning to the deity of the Lord Jesus. We also have his creative exercises because he was there in creation and nothing was made without him. And lastly, we have his granting of life and light. Uh, that, uh, each of these points will help us to understand that he is indeed God. So the first one, he is that divine expression, the word. It's a very unique title. It's a very special title. John's the only gospel writer to take that term and use it as the ministry, the mission of the Lord Jesus. Now, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews did say that the Son was the express image of the Father. But John latches onto this word, logos, or word, and he uses it very carefully, as I say, to build this moat around the fortifications of the whole character and godhood of the Lord Jesus. Now, it is unquestionable that these words, the word, the logos, refers to the Son of God. Down in verse 18, no man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son. So if for any reason, you are wondering, are we sure that refers to the Lord Jesus? Yes. Verse 18 fills in that blank for us. Now, as the Word, he is the Father's faithful Word. The term logos was used for accuracy. It was a mathematical term. Indeed, it comes up in the doctrine of justification when we talk about when a man is credited or 
righteousness is imputed, transferred to our account. And the word for justification is logosomai and is the same root word. And it has this accuracy about it. It was a mathematical term. Therefore, the Lord Jesus is the faithful word because he truly conveys and reveals the character, the nature, the glory, the essence of God the Father, because in Christ is all the fullness of the Godhead. And if we want to know God, we consider the Son, who is that express image of the Father. And that's why Jesus could say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He will never lead us wrong. At the seniors' care home this afternoon, I was trying to make the example very simple, that during the, the war, uh, it was a well-known thing that when an invader came in upon your territory and you were sort of calling your troops back in retreat, that one thing you always did, you changed the road signs. And you made those road signs to point different, all the wrong directions, or you took them down completely. And you tried to confuse the enemy by wrong road signs. Well, the Lord Jesus is the true finger post to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We need to read the Gospels for a record of his life, the epistles for his doctrine, but read John for this very accurate theology of his deity. What can I give him poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part, yet what I can I give Give my heart. He's the Father's faithful word. He's also the Father's full word. This term logos has the significance of the idea in its full thought. Uh, I'm not a philosopher. And as John Calvin warned, we don't go to philosophy to learn our understanding of uh, the Lord Jesus but to the people of the day when John was writing, the word logos meant fullness of thought. And the Lord Jesus talked about the scriptures that they were to be read because they spoke of him. Now, people go about looking for experiences and they look for dreams and they look for various miraculous signs and so on. 
various religions look for these extraordinary signs and symbols. Well, Jesus to the Christian is God's sign. Simeon said that Jesus would be that sign that would come from the Lord. He's the Father's full word. He's also the Father's final word. The final word. He promised that the disciples would be given the Holy Spirit to teach them. About what? About him. He is the beginning and the end of all biblical gospel knowledge. And he is that final prophet. Now, Muslims will tell you that Muhammad is their greatest prophet because he's the last. And he came into the world somewhere back in the seventh century, and therefore they follow him because he is the last prophet. Mormons, they tell you that Joseph Smith is the great prophet. This is not true. This is not true. Jesus, miraculously born in human form when the Word was made flesh, he's God's final word to us. And as Dr. Kearns has put it so clearly in, in one of his treatments of the subject, he said, God has nothing more to say to men than through his Son. Now, if you're one of those people that looks for experiences, looks for some sign, some flash of light, some miraculous event that you might be drawn near to God, let me tell you, it will deceive you. The Lord Jesus is God's Word. He is His faithful Word, His full Word. He is His final Word. And that's why the Father said at His baptism, when Jesus was down in the water and the Holy Spirit came down and the voice of the Father was heard, This is my Son. Hear ye Him. And those who will not listen to the ministry, the message, of the Lord Jesus do so with their peril. So here we have this divine expression, and he is the Word, he's the revelation of the Father. We also have here his eternal existence. The same was in the beginning with God. Now I'd like to give you a little exercise to do here. I'd like you to get pen and paper and write out Words that are more clear, more watertight than what John expresses here for Godhood. Can you think of any better words, any clearer statement, any more definite express way of communicating the message of Godhood to men than these words? In the beginning was the Word. And then it says, the same was in the beginning with God. And remember, the word beginning here means there was no beginning. How do we know? How do we know that this beginning means that there was no beginning? Well, the word, Christ, is the wisdom of God. He is the mind of God. Can you envisage a time when God existed without wisdom. It's impossible. Can you imagine a time whenever God existed without his Son? 
who is the wisdom of the Father. No way. And the whole uh, structure of the words themselves tells us very clearly that it was in the beginning. Now, those who deny the deity of the Lord Jesus, they come along and they say, well, Jesus had a beginning in Mary's womb. But that, of course, is his human form, had a beginning in Mary's womb. There was a point of conception. There was the development of that child in Mary's womb. That's true, but that's his human nature. John speaking here of his divine nature, the Word, the second person of the Trinity. Then they go a little further and they say, well, the beginning here was the beginning of the world. When God created the stars and the universe and the world in which we live, that it was then that Jesus had his beginning. And of course, if we follow that line, the Lord Jesus would become a created being and a part of the very creation itself. Well, God would have to absolutely un-God himself he would have to step down from his royal throne of sovereign wisdom if this word, the mind, the utterance, the speech of God didn't exist. How could you have God mindless without wisdom, without his son? It cannot possibly be. Now, Jesus, we are told here, it says that he was there in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Now, this gets down to little words. And a little Greek word, which is really a preposition, it's the word with. He was with God. And the word with, it means face to face, face to face with God, communicating in harmony, in love, in fellowship. The Son was with God, face to face. Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. They were in sweet harmony and fellowship with one another. And there was no time in eternity past that God the Father and God the Son did not coexist in that blessed face-to-face -face communion one with another. That's what the Word teaches us right here, the Word was with God, the same was in the beginning, with God face to face. Now, if that was not enough, you'll notice that John goes on to say that the Word was God. That's how he existed, right there as God. Let that sink in. And we think of all those who come to deny this doctrine and deny this truth. These, as I've pointed out, are John's fortifications. This guarding this amazing truth, wonderful truth of the deity, the Godhood of the Lord Jesus. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. And on this Christmas Day, we wish you God's blessing from our house to your house. May the Lord be with you in all your celebrations with your family, your wife, your husband, your children, your friends. Our lot this year is to spend Christmas in California with our son Calvin, his wife and family, uh, due to Calvin's pending 
surgery for cancer. This uh, has come as a shock to our family, but we're here to encourage and support. And we understand that Christmas can be a very difficult time for many people in their loneliness. If you have gone through bereavement or loss, and perhaps there's an empty place at the table for you this Christmas. I trust that the God of all comfort and consolation will draw near and comfort your heart and bless you abundantly. And uh, you can go to our website for all the information, of course, on Let the Bible Speak. The website is ltbs.ca. And there you'll get all the information. My phone number, as usual, is 604-897-2040. And I pray that the God of grace will be with you to bless you. The one who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so on this very special Christmas day, God bless you. God in heaven keep you and watch over you. Until once more, we let the Bible speak.